on, defenders. Welcome to episode 116. We are calling this for cry locking out loud. <laughs> One. Uh-oh. Two. Look out. Tonight calls for the opening of two cans immediately, Scarf. I couldn't make decisions on whether or not I should drink hard seltzers or whiskey, so I decided on yes to all tonight. Uh-oh. You ever have one of those moments where a situation pops up and all of a sudden a song starts registering in your head and you just can't get rid of it? Well, after watching that match, the only thing I can think of is that song, The Sound of Silence. It's originally written by Simon and Garfunkel, but disturbed in singing it recently. You know, the one that goes, hello, darkness, my old friend. I'd like to see LAFC win again. Well, I mean, that's not how it went, but that's how, what I was thinking. We were totally thinking about taking the night off from potting. LAFC we took the Wait, night off. I didn't know that. We no. Well, LAFC took the night off. We figured, why not us? Hell, they've taken a few weeks off. Anyways, I thought I would start off the episode with a, be- a wee bit of humor because why not? As Scarf likes to say, I'm getting old and I'm not trying to destroy my blood pressure. And believe me, it was boiling. I keep reminding myself that I'm not getting paid or laid for any of this. So chill. It's a good thing that I exercised earlier. In case you're tuning in for the first time, I'm your stressed and depressed, once glad but now sad, East Coast dude with black and gold attitude, beast from the East, Christian Philly Philemon. And with me as always, the judge thread, not dread, collector and protector, <laughs> but never a scarf neglector, J.R. Liebert. The scarf. What is good, defenders? Look, I got to thinking, Philly. We had a lot of time to think during this game, after this game. We are recording tonight. It is about 11 o'clock as we start our recording on Wednesday, September 9th, the day of the RSL match in Rio Tinto. And I got to thinking quite a bit, Philly, about some differentials between some words. I threw out the word differential out there. There you go. Some differences between words. And the difference between the words that I'm talking about is the difference between fans and supporters fans and supporters and it got me to to thinking Philly tonight was back to school night and I talked to a ton of different parents about Latin and English grammar and even some math terms and everything that we're going to go over so it really got me thinking about semantics and the difference between the term fans and supporters as we know Philly the term fans is short for fanatics right and it's people that Uh, go up and down with the wind. If your team is doing well, they're the loudest to support. And if their team is doing unwell, as Matchbox 20 might say, then (laughs) unfortunately that means that they tend to jump off the bandwagon or scream the loudest to do things like, I don't know, get rid of Brian Rodriguez, fire Bob Bradley. You know, where's Carlos Vela when we need him? Well, he's hurt for some of you guys that I see on the fans page. How come Carlos hasn't been starting? Really, really, really? The difference between fans and supporters and Philly, you and I are supporters of LAFC. It means that through thick and thin, through up and down, through black or gold or whatever the times might be, we are going to support this team. That doesn't mean, by the way, that we agree with every result or decision or call that's made. That doesn't mean that we are homers in talking positively about everything the team does. I mean, you sounded pretty down there in the intro there, Philly, but what it means is that we support our club, the black and gold. They have been working. They have been trying. They've been trying to put two or three steps together. But unfortunately, lately, it's been one step forward and two steps back. And Philly, it just got me to thinking about the difference between fans and supporters. 
And I'll tell you right now, especially after today's game, the tough loss that we were dealt at Rio Tinto, we need our supporters more than ever. Without a doubt, we've lost four out of the first 10 matches this season. We lost four all of last year altogether. And normally I would go on social media because I'd be curious just to kind of gauge the volume and the temperature and what, how everybody's feeling. Today I vowed that I wouldn't do it just because I was afraid that of what I was going to read. I didn't want to get angry. But I'll tell you what, for the short few seconds that I did go on Instagram and Twitter, there were a lot of people saying very similar things to what you were saying, basically calling out the fake fans and all that other stuff. For anybody asking, how come Carlos Vela hasn't, hasn't started? Give me a break. How do you even call yourselves a fanatic? Even a fanatic would know what the deal is with Carlos Vela. Shame on you. I, I, I'm actually quite surprised and pleasantly pleased that people are calling people out for, for being fake, not being there to stand by your club. I look at it this way, Scarf, and you might agree or disagree and all the millions. And millions. Might agree or disagree, but the, the love that one has for their club, right? I view it as a marriage. Uh, and I know not everybody here is married, but they all know the vows, you know, through thickness and through thin, through health and all that other stuff. It's, it's undying loyalty. I look at it as a marriage in the sense that, like, take Panda and I, for example. If Panda and I weren't doing well or we were going through a rough patch, right? I wouldn't talk crap about her in front of like you and say all this negative hoo-ha stuff to people like I, I, I don't even know and just air out my dirty laundry. I'm going to be loyal and I'm going to stick with her as I would hope she would stick with me through the good times and the bad. What man or woman is going to want to stick with somebody when they only want to love you during the good times and then absolutely run away or embarrass or bash you and say all this crap about you when, when times are tough? Nobody. So, I mean, that's just the way I look at it. But, you know, we, we've aired out our, our grievances in that sense. We got a show to do, Scarf. And on today's episode, we're going to give you this day in LAFC history. We're going to give you our news and notes. We're going to go through that depressing recap. Without further ado, my man, you got this day in LAFC history to do. So take it away, Dishal. Yeah, Philly, you are absolutely right. It is time for this day in LAFC history. And as we said, we are recording this September 9th. 2020. And on September 9th of last year, 2019, Diego Rossi and Latif Blessing named to the 2019 Week 27 Major League Soccer Team of the Week. Flash forward to September 11th, 2019. The Houston Dynamo defeated the Minnesota United 2-0. And the actual capper was a Christian Ramirez goal in the 44th minute for the Houston Dynamo. Why am I talking about Houston defeating Minnesota? By virtue of Minnesota's loss, LAFC clinches the 2019 Western Conference regular season for the first time, and of course also clinching a spot in the 2020 CONCACAF Champions League, where it's still on hold. We'll see what happens if we get to play Cruz Azul. Doesn't look very likely. And taking us up to the day before our next match, September 12th, 2018. Our faithful black and gold listeners remember September 12th of 2018 because that is when LAFC partnered with Metro to release those really cool LAFC branded tap cards that people were running all over downtown Los Angeles looking for those special kiosks that sold those LAFC tap cards. They wound up giving away before a couple of the matches right after, but those were definitely a hotly contested item. And that is this day in LAFC history. Philly, we're going to transition into news and notes. 
And I just want to remind everybody once again that during September, Major League Soccer and Continental Tire are teaming up to raise awareness and funds for childhood cancer. Now in its seventh year, the Kick Childhood Cancer Campaign aims to find better cures for all types of childhood cancer and now more than ever provide support to one of the most vulnerable populations affected by COVID-19. Submit a message of hope using the hashtag Kick Childhood Cancer on social media channels. And for every post that uses that hashtag, Continental Tire will donate $25 to fund pediatric cancer research up to $50,000 during the month of September. And of course, your messages will also be used to produce customized blankets and scarves, which will be distributed to pediatric cancer patients during the holiday season. Philly, a couple of news and notes that I wanted to mention, and one involves one of, now Philly, just remind our millions. And millions. Of listeners, where you went to college one more time for us, because it doesn't come up often enough. (laughs) Oh, you're funny. I went to Indiana University. Yeah, you know who else went to Indiana University, Philly? Lee Wynn. Lee Wynn, that's right. Lee Wynn was traded this week from Inter-Miami back to his original MLS home, the New England Revolution. Lee heads back to the city where he made his mark, playing six seasons and tallying 51 goals and 49 assists during the regular season. He will likely take the spot of midfielder Carl Skill. He is a special, special player. He has been phenomenal since joining New England last year. Of course, we all know that Lee was part of our Supporter Shield winning squad last year, and over the course of two seasons, he amassed four goals and 11 assists in his 57 matches with the black and gold, including three assists in last year's MLS Cup playoffs. We, of course, Philly, wish Lee a massive fan favorite during his time in LA. All the best with New England. I would love to see Lee back here, but you know what? Our midfield actually played okay today. In other MLS and U.S. soccer news, Philly, Carlos Bocanegra was the lone member inducted into the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame on Tuesday. Bocanegra is a legend and U.S. men's national team captain. He capped 110 times as the all-time leading goal scorer by a defender in U.S. history with 14. And Bocanegra has plenty of ties to Los Angeles. Born just 45 minutes away in Upland, Bocanegra played a few seasons at UCLA before breaking into the MLS with the 2000 Chicago Fire. Of course, that squad, coached by Bob Bradley, and also on the fire that year as players, were current LAFC Director of Soccer Operations Mike Sorber and assistant coach Anche Razov. And after captaining Fulham in the Premiership, as well as captaining teams in Liga 1 and the Scottish Premier League, he played his final professional season just down the road for Chivas USA, where he played alongside the first ever signee in LAFC history, Carlos Alvarez. But Philly, I fully expect the Angel City chicks to address how Hope Solo was not inducted, by the way, into the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame. Also not inducted, Steve Chirundolo and Jaime Moreno, an absolute travesty. Come on, U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame, do better. And that's all I've got for news and notes, Philly. How about you? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, just to kind of piggyback off of that, I was reading that 20% of the people that voted didn't even Abby Wambach in on that U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame ballot either. 
He's the all-time leading scorer. Like, what right. is up with these morons at, at the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame? It just it continues to make me scratch my head and wonder who the hell is truly running U.S. soccer. Not only from a, a men's national team perspective, but even from like a, a soccer Hall of Fame perspective. How could you not let Hope Solo and and, and how could some people actually vote Abby Wambach not to even be in it? Give me a freaking break. But you're right. We're going to leave this to Angel City. I don't have any news and notes per se. I'd rather just exercise the demons of this match just so I can go back to living my normal, ordinary (laughs) podcasting life. All right, but before we exercise those demons, we want to give a quick shout-out to... Yeah, Philly, before we get into the recap of the disaster at Rio Tinto, we want to show some love to one of our new episode partners, Dog Drop. We know you love your dogs as much as you love your football, but this doesn't have to just be for you. It can be for a friend, a relative, a neighbor, you name it. We know your dogs can't always go with you like to the bank or sometimes you need to focus on an important meeting online or those dogs are just going stir crazy inside and need to go out and play. We've partnered with Dog Drop because they're a local business right here in Los Angeles. Their dog daycare is located in the Arts District and they have completely redesigned the concept of dog daycare. They have a great small facility, real grass, and they've got highly trained dog experts to take care of your pup. They offer really flexible pricing. So if you only need an hour or two, that's fine. If you want the whole day, that's fine too. And here's the cool thing. You can do a free day with them the first time to see how your pup likes it. Philly, we haven't gone for our free day yet, but I can't wait to go play with some puppies. Don't forget to go to dogdrop.co backslash free day and sign up for the free visit. That's dog drop, like you drop your dog off there. (laughs) Dogdrop.co slash free day. And this can also be a cool gift for anybody, friends, relatives, or your mom, anyone who has a dog. So check out dogdrop.co and support your local dog care providers. And Philly, I couldn't help but notice when we were on with YouTube TV last time, you had a pretty sweet jersey that you were wearing, my friend. I absolutely did. It was a dynamite kit. And in the event that you were wondering where that came from, I want to give a shout out to our partners, AB Teamwear. That's right. They created our awesome Defenders of the Bank jersey. They do an amazing job creating jerseys for pro sports teams and podcasters like us. Well, maybe we're the only podcast, but they still design a dope jersey for us. AB Teamwear is your source for great-looking custom products made with durable fabrics at affordable prices. AB stands for Adventure Brothers Teamwear. They opened their doors in 2019 in Ventura County, California. Created out of necessity, honestly, ABT began as a small startup built to provide soccer teams affordable custom uniforms, apparel, and equipment. We believe, and this is their quote, we believe that the cost of uniforms from the major sports companies are way too high, and they offer generic products. ABT provides custom soccer products we design with our clients at an affordable rate. No doubt, they definitely hooked us up on our jersey scarf. Got my Philly 80. You got your, uh, you got your scarf 83. Give them a follow on Instagram. Check out their website, AB Teamwear. Now that the commercial component is done on <laughs> Defenders of the Bank, let's talk about some previous history. Now, LAFC supporters are likely more familiar with our results versus RSL than pretty much any of the other MLS squads because of the shocking results in the 2018 MLS Cup playoffs. Despite kicking the crap out of these guys twice in the regular season in 2018, 5-1 in Sandy, Utah, and 2-0 at home, we lost 3-2 in a playoff match behind a brace from Demir Krylock for Krylocking out loud. It's not <laughs> the first time I say that. That was LAFC's first postseason match in our club's history. 
and it left an awful, awful taste in our mouths. LAFC attempted to put those demons to bed in 2019, winning all the matchups, including knocking RSL out of the fourth round of the U.S. Open Cup. LAFC sports a 5-1 record overall against RSL, outscoring them 16-5 across all competitions. What's going to happen when we play them in 2020? Ew, we're about to find out. Why don't we talk about the run of form scarf? Yeah, Philly, coming into this matchup, it could be argued that RSL's defense, especially over their last three matches, has actually been as bad or worse than LAFC's. On August 29th, RSL needed two goals after the 90th minute to salvage a 4-4 tie against Portland, then needed a goal in the 85th minute to salvage a point against Seattle. Just three days ago, however, they traveled to Minnesota and got absolutely boat raced, losing 4-0, conceding all four goals in the second half. You know, it's a defense that didn't look very good coming into the match. But Philly, they looked really, really good today. We'll talk more about that in the recap. Look, we are definitely aware of LAFC struggles coming into the match. The club lost three of four games, which is the second time in club history. And of course, to make matters worse, two of those losses were shutouts at the hands of Carson. Philly, the injury report, it's deja vu all over again, unfortunately. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. No Carlos Vela, no Edward Atuesta, no Danilo Silva. And I don't know about the injury report, Philly, for RSL, because I didn't look at it. So I want to ask you a question if you checked out the injury report or not. Why? I did. They only had one academy player that was, that was yeah. injured. Uh, that's, that's what I thought. I wanted, I wanted to double check that with you because I, I have a question for you real quick. We're going to get into the, the starting lineups here in just a minute. Why does Real Salt Lake hate me? Here's why I ask, Philly. Hmm. Who is my favorite non-LAFC player in Major League Soccer right now? Kyle Beckerman. Oh, God. Oh, geez. Oh, boy. No, that's not the one. That would, be, Gi- that would be Giuseppe Rossi. <laughs> Why? Why are they not at least putting Giuseppe in the 23 or the 18 or whatever we're calling it? He actually had a goal in one of their last matches. He was getting some run. Any member of the Azuri is someone who I'm excited to see. But again, no Giuseppe Rossi against LAFC kind of a bummer but don't worry everybody I would have plenty more to be bummed about as we get into the recap of the match yeah absolutely let's get into the starting lineups Bob really shaking things up for this game last time we saw this many players make their first start was when we lost to Vancouver up in Canada last season that was rough was Chef Brewer's last game for us if y'all remember that Nico Hamalainen bounced not too long after that Four players getting their first starts ever, and we're going to get into that in a second. Pablo Cisniega in goal. There was no, no shocker there. Now, Bob tinkered with this lineup and actually put in some players that we didn't have any idea would start. Andy Nahar, this was his first start. Figured he would get an opportunity to shine at some point. We got Dejan Jakovic. He's back there. We got Mohamed Traore. If you don't know who he is, he's that young high schooler that we just picked up for 50K, Montverde Academy mainly known for being a basketball powerhouse. This kid killed it on the soccer team there, but he makes his first start. Didn't think we would see him this quickly. Figured it'd be at least a couple of months or maybe 2021 till we saw his presence, but he started today. We saw Jordan Harvey, uh, our midfield. We had Pancho Janela, we had Pancho Janela, we had Sifu, who actually continues to impress. And then we had Bryce Duke. 
That was a surprise. I really thought that we would put Latif there and put Dayon in the back line, but that wasn't the case. And as you know, in case you were wondering, or in case you know, you're wondering where Mark Anthony K is, I mean, some of you out there wondering where Carlos Vale is and how come he hasn't started the past couple of games. <laughs> Why wouldn't you wonder where Mark Anthony K is? Well, the reason is when you get a red card, you got to sit out a match. That's why we didn't see Mark Anthony Kay. And then we had Brian Raito Rodriguez, Diego Rossi, who was sporting the captain's armband, and Danny Musovsky. Very, very interesting. We had Bradley Wright Phillips on the bench. We had Latif on the bench. We had Segura and Palacios on the bench. In the 18, you had Vermeer, Tristan Segura, Latif Palacios, Adrian Perez, Bradley Wright Phillips, Tony Leone, and Eric Duenas. But where the heck has Mohamed El Manir been? I don't know how practice has been going for him. I don't know if he's pissed off the coaching staff, but it seems kind of odd because he was getting some run in the COVID cup. And then he came out in that one match early, early on. And we haven't really seen much of him to begin with. I mean, you figure with all the troubles that we're having in our back line, you know, wouldn't Muhammad El Manir be at least a pleasant placement in that back line? At least he's a bit of a, a scoring threat. At least he attacks, but that was the LAFC situation. What did, real Salt Lake look like. Yeah, Philly, I want to I mention something real quick before I get into the lineup for Real Salt Lake. I was actually okay with this starting lineup. I, I won't say I loved it. I was okay with the starting lineup. And by the way, before the season started, if you had Mohamed Traore, Danny Musovsky, Bryce Duke, and Andy Nahar in your starting lineup at some point, you've just won a million dollars. Because I don't think any of us thought that those four would be starting meaningful matches especially all four together on the same pitch at the same time. But I will say this. Remember the COVID Cup, Philly? You and I were talking quite a bit about how Orlando and Portland were finishing their games with their starters, not necessarily starting their games with their starters. So when I saw Eddie Segura, Tristan Blackman, Latif Blessing, Bradley Wright Phillips, and even Cheeky Palacios out there on the 18, but not part of the 11, I thought, okay. This is Bob Philly. You're the one that pointed this out to me. This was our fifth game in what, 19 days, I believe? Yeah. No. So, so we got lucky. It was five games in 19 days. That's a lot of work for these guys in just 19 days. And I know a lot of you are saying, well, wait, they're professional athletes. They're supposed to be able to run around and do everything that they do five games in 19 days. But look, you couple in the practices, you couple in the travel and the altitude and everything else. Bob might have been trying to buy his guys 45 minutes. And we'll talk at halftime about how I felt that the match was going once we hit that 45-minute mark, Philly. But I was actually okay with this lineup only because I knew 100%, and it's what we saw during the course of the match, I knew 100% what Bob was doing and that he wanted to finish the game with some of his starters and give us a little bit of rest, which was fine. It just didn't happen to work out on the score sheet. But don't worry, we'll get into that. I mean, I, it's interesting that you thought it was a pretty decent lineup. I get why it happened. Again, five games in 19 days. They're going to an area where the air is a lot thinner. They're, what, 4,500 feet above sea level? And I mentioned this before, LA is like 250 feet above sea level. I mean, yeah, you're going to get players that are going to be tired. You're going to want to rest them. But, you know, you felt good about the lineup. I mentioned it earlier, man. Like, all I thought was, was the Vancouver game. I really thought that we were going to have the Vancouver game all over. There was no chemistry in that matchup between all the different lines. And for the most part, there wasn't really that much chemistry uh, with, with a lot of these guys to begin with. So interesting that you felt pretty good about that. I saw I, somebody on social media mention, like, this lineup slaps. <laughs> I don't I, know about that. <laughs> I mean, there was just 
too many players that were starting brand new and just, yeah, obviously they're going to form the chemistry at practice and whatnot, but a couple of young guys getting their starts, the anxiety, a high pressure game. I don't sure. know, man, but yeah. No, no, to be clear, I felt okay about the lineup. Okay. I don't know if I loved it. I felt okay. I liked a few things that we did with the lineup for at least a couple of the players. But again, we'll talk about that once we get into the game recap. Let's go over the lineup for Real Salt Lake. Andrew Putna starting in goal. Really, for the most part, untested today. Looked pretty good. I think we found a way to help another goalie make MLS team of the week this coming week. <laughs> On the back line, Nedum Anuoha, who was extremely outspoken regarding his soon-to-be former owner's stance on the comments and the boycotting of the match where we were supposed to play them last month. I really I had a lot of respect for Neto Manuela. He's a good dude. Justin Glad, Donnie Toya, Aaron Herrera, Albert Rusnak. He is a talented, talented offensive player, as we saw in this match today. Demir Krylock, who... For Krylocking out loud. <laughs> I'm going to... I'm going to keep putting that on the tee there for you, buddy. You keep swinging at it. Don't worry. We'll get it. Uh, he, is, he is absolutely rocketing up the list of players that we love to hate here on Defenders of the Bank. Pablo Ruiz, not to be confused with Everton Luiz, who would come in for him a little bit later. Corey Baird, Justin Miram, and Michael Chang rounding out the lineup. And you mentioned the old man, 90-year-old Kyle Beckerman on the bench, along with Jason Ramirez, <laughs> Everton Luiz. Douglas Martinez, one of their DPs, Sam Johnson on the bench, didn't get any run at all. Nick Beesler, not to be confused with the good Beesler, Matt Beesler, and mm. Zach McMath, not ever to be confused with a good goalie. He was awful, awful, awful during the COVID Cup. And that rounds out the lineup, Philly. And it unfortunately wouldn't take very long for things to go sour, huh? No, it's kind of funny. Like Comedy, if not the tragedy, really started at kickoff. When Danny Musovsky was so excited that he kicked the ball before people could take a knee, which is what's been the custom thus far in the MLS for this, for this season, and, and all over the world for that matter. I guess you can't blame him. He was excited. His first start for LAFC, he was feeling froggy, so he jumped. But they restarted that all over. Now, third minute. We had Sifu with a header off of a corner, loose for a second. The keeper was playing a little bit of ping pong with the ball. And Danny Musovsky actually had a, nearly had a foot on it. That almost happened. He, oh. he almost scored really quickly, which would have been really exciting to start a game where we have learned that LAFC seven times has been the team to concede first. More on that later. We yeah, saw Philly, real mom, quick, that, that, that play in the third minute, we're going to talk about a play just like that later on in the second half where, unfortunately, it goes the other way for RSL. It's little moments like that that I feel like Bob Bradley talks about. And I think today in the press conferences, if you heard after the match, a couple of the other players talking about, not only are we not playing well, let's be real, we are not playing well, right? But the other thing that's not happening, Philly, plays like that right there in the third minute Normally, that ball would bounce off to a Danny Masovsky or to a Diego Rossi or to a Carlos Vela, for example, and they'd find a little touch, a little flick, and be able to put it in the back of the net, right? But it just seems, Philly, like even those moments for LAFC right now are going sideways. Yeah, we're not catching any breaks. That happened on numerous occasions. And somebody who wasn't catching any breaks at all was Mohamed Traore. He turned the ball over minutes later, and he had a really – 
really, 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 really rough outing on his debut. Again, I, I can't blame him. The kid graduated high school not that long ago, and all of a sudden he's starting for the Los Angeles Football Club in Sandy, Utah. But, you know, more on that later. In the eighth minute, Real Salt Lake almost strikes first. You had Miram, the Iraqi international from Michigan, by the way, with a hell of a shot completely spreading out Cisniega. The unfortunate fact is we would hear from Miram a little while later. But in the ninth minute, you said it happened quickly. LAFC concedes a goal. Off of a set piece, which continues to plague us. Constantly, constantly, constantly continues to plague us. Philly, I got a question for you on this goal. Who scored the goal in the ninth minute? For cry locking out loud. Once again, he scoots one past us. Maurice Adu referred to it as a recycled set piece ball. But Crylock was completely unmarked. The most dangerous man on this team went completely unmarked and some people are going to blame Jordan Harvey for it but in reality everybody was to blame for it because the guy who constantly scores on us found a way to score again I'm not blaming Harvey I'm blaming everyone everyone was to blame for that mess up if anything that's the guy you want to mark grab his shirt keep somebody on him like 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 a fly on poop somebody the guy scores his fourth goals against us. His fourth goal against us. And only freaking Zlatan has more goals on LAFC than Demir Krylock. Unfortunate set of events. And once again, we continue to be an awful, awful defending team on set pieces. Just that guy, it just really, really put a sour taste in your mouth to begin. You realize if that guy was to score this quickly in a game, you know, things would be going downhill pretty quickly. Yeah, Philly, it reminded me of the goal that we conceded against Carson. Which goal? Uh, where <laughs> there, was, there, there was nobody marking anybody on the back line. And they could have had two or three or four or five guys score that goal. Same thing. Corey Baird was wide open right behind Demir Krylock. And if it wasn't Demir Krylock scoring, it was Corey Baird that was going to put that one in the back of the net. We talked about it in previous episodes. We conceded. I believe, I believe, four goals off of set pieces last year in total. And we've already now conceded five or six goals off of set pieces, if not more, this season. Awful set piece defending. Look, you can definitely key on Jordan Harvey on that one, but Jordan Harvey can't mark three guys. So it was really, really frustrating. And that's an interesting stat you bring up. These are the kind of next-level things you'll get on defenders of the bank. You mentioned it. Demir Krylock now scoring his fourth goal against LAFC with only Zlatan scoring more. That's, that's a pretty interesting stat there, my friend. I like that stat. You know, I thought that for the next little while, we settled down just a little bit. I thought that we had a few minutes that we were able to kind of collect ourselves. But what I noticed, especially in the 15th minute, I noticed that RSL was playing a really high line. And I feel like over the last couple matches, we've seen teams play a high line on us to get a little bit of pressure and clog the middle. And that really starts to bother our midfield and our wing players because they're not sure when to make their runs or how to do it. The back line, though, really looking unorganized at times. But, you know, what I, I, I will say, there was something in the 23rd minute where Brian Rodriguez with a ball into Danny Masovsky played out for a corner. 
And something I noticed that we did in the first 45 minutes of this match with Mohamed Traore. Look, Mohamed Traore might be young. He might be unexperienced. But Philly, I'm a volleyball coach. And I coached my middle school boys and middle school girls to championships these last couple of seasons. Mohamed Traore has the one thing that volleyball coaches look for because you can't teach height. You can't teach height. And what Mohamed Traore has is some height. And I noticed that we were starting to bring up Mohamed Traore on these set pieces. I think it puts our back line at a disadvantage because unfortunately he's got to hustle back or we've got to race back on a counter. But I, I like a little bit of a new wrinkle in our offense by getting somebody taller in the box, Mohamed Traore. It's just the kid is also pretty small. He's got to eat a couple cheeseburgers. But I at least <laughs> like the fact that we were doing something a little different with Traore. But, you know, you mentioned it. He had a, he had a little bit of a rough start. I like your note that you get anxiety when that ball is inside the box. And I really felt that way through the first 45 minutes, especially as compared to the organized backline play that we saw from RSL. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the anxiety was there. Anytime any type of set piece happens, it's funny all the different types of post-traumatic stress disorder that we've had throughout the course of the last couple of years. That first season, it was the 80th minute where we would start to develop our anxiety. Yep. And then the second season, the anxiety came from that stretch of ties that we had. It was, oh gosh, NYCFC's breathing down our neck. Now this season, it's something completely different. It's set piece defense. I mean, I get it. Not everything is going to be perfect. I just think it's kind of funny that every season it's just a different type of PTSD that remains consistent for that matter throughout the course of a season. That 80th yeah. minute hex was very prevalent for a while, season one. The ties, fairly prevalent towards the end of the season for a while. And at this point, set piece defense being atrocious, it's going on for a while. There's one situation in the 24th minute where we got lucky because RSL screwed up a drive that oh. – Easily could have had Rusnak score the second goal of the game. There are a couple opportunities. As good of a player as he is, there are a couple of opportunities throughout the course of the game where he could have easily buried one. <laughs> Unfortunately, more on him later. But let's move forward. Herrera, is it right around the 20th, past the 27th minute? He made an attempt. Cisniega was there. He makes the save. He had a, again a couple of good saves. Minutes after that, Krylock takes a bit of a knock from, from Bryce Duke and, and Corey Baird while to get up but it seemed incidental contact so and not as if there was anything malicious behind that although if he was out of the match I can't say we would have been too upset again <laughs> a thorn in our side I mean we got cry locked on multiple occasions having him sit down wouldn't have been the worst thing 33rd minute Raito good touch beats the defense passes it in the box no one there and a couple of good passes uh, I mean that's what I could really say about Raito but 35th minute Sifu Great shot. He had a great shot. In fact, we had that was one of the better chances that we had. We had some better ball movement. He had a great strike. And I would say he's the one player that has graced the lineup that is new that, you know, for the most part, continues to impress me. He has a couple of shots that can go really wide. We're talking Johnny Hecker fight. But man, when he makes some contact, like that ball, probably it's a screamer. What I like about him compared to some of the other players on our team. He, he's strong. We have a lot of very, very finesse guys that like to play that pretty game. Sifu's the type of guy who likes to get down and dirty, kind of like how, how Dio liked to get down and dirty before he, he started getting injured constantly. I love that about Sifu. I, I really think that we, we continue to develop him. He's going to be a solid midfielder for us going forward. What do you think? 
first of all, what I would like to tell you is Johnny Hecker has only attempted one field goal in his NFL career, and he made it, sir. So I don't know what you're saying about Johnny Hecker field goal wide, my friend, right down the middle of the uprights for the punter. He just kicks the ball far. The all-decade team punter for the Los Angeles Rams, Johnny Hecker. That's And one-time right. honorary Falconer. And one-time honorary Falconer, soon to be, by the way, guest on Defenders of the Bank. We're working on it. Don't worry. Yeah, Philly, I am going to raise some eyebrows with something that I'm going to say at the end of our podcast. But I'm so glad that you noticed in the 37th minute, the incredible pass that Brian Rodriguez read to Danny Masovsky. Masovsky just offside. Billy, you mentioned Albert Rusnak. Rusnak is a special, special player. However, this match, at least in the first half, he got the pass from Michael Chang. And again, you mentioned it earlier where it should have maybe been 2-0. It could have easily very well been 3-0 in the 41st minute. And it was just one of those plays where you're like, guys, they've got two players to worry about, Jameer Krylock and Albert Rusnak. And those are the guys that seemed like they were finding space and getting open. Uh, Now, some of it was due to some nice passing, but it seemed like the lanes were just wide open there. And there was a lot of space, not really closing out. 45th minute, I like the effort by Brian Rodriguez. I was watching, Philly, I don't know if you got to see the Portugal highlights over the weekend. And Cristiano Ronaldo, with his 100th international goal, which is pretty incredible. He's only like seven goals away from the all-time record of international goals for any one player for their country. Oh, he'll hit it. Oh, yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo's 100th goal was pretty much the exact same play that we saw play out in front of us with Brian Rodriguez, except Cristiano Ronaldo, this, is, this might not be news to anybody, but Brian Rodriguez is not quite Cristiano Ronaldo. And Ronaldo was able to bury this in the top corner, and that just – that was the play I saw in my mind. I was like, come on, Brian. Give us a little bit of a Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo moment there. Unfortunately, shot it over the bar. That brought on halftime. But, Philly, I mentioned I wanted to talk about what I thought about our halftime roster and our halftime moves a little bit later in the podcast. Well, we're here now. And I actually, Philly, at halftime, was able to breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. Now, that also may have been body parts of mine unclenching, due to the back line and the defense and how you and I were both highly anxious every time a ball came near the back line. But I thought, okay, wait a minute. We got out of this one nothing. It could have very easily been two or three. Now, we could have had one. We had at least one good chance. Yeah. But it could have very easily been two or three. Our back line looked extremely disorganized. And I thought, you know what we did? We just bought ourselves 45 minutes. And I loved, absolutely loved what Bob did to start the second half. Philly, I know you want to go through the halftime stats, and we're going to hit those right now. But right after you're done with halftime stats, Philly, I want to finish this point because I think it's really important because I saw what Bob was trying to do, and it actually worked out okay. Again, I'm using that word, okay. Not well, not great, not fantastically, but okay for Bob in that he bought some of these players 45 minutes, which might work wonders in our next match in Portland. We'll see. I could be completely wrong. And as it turned out, obviously, as we're going to talk about Philly, it didn't affect the final scoreline at all in a positive way for LAFC. But after you go through the numbers, I want to finish this point. Bring on the the first half stats, Philly. Scarf, real quick. Do you know where the term okay came from? Go, Go right ahead. I'm interested. This is usually my job, but I like this. Go ahead, Philly. I learned this in history class at Indiana University. Okay, 
is a short acronym for Old Kinderhook. Old Kinderhook being a part of upstate New York. Martin Van Buren, the only New York president other than Teddy Roosevelt and Franklin Delano Roosevelt, I guess you could say, coined that term. Anytime somebody would ask him something and he would want to say affirmative or yeah or whatever the case may be, he'd go Old Kinderhook. And then that turned into okay. So there you have it. I too can function as a historian, Scar. <laughs> and you know what's kind of funny is that a lot of people, and I have parents, by the way, who bring this up to me all the time. Because, you know, when you teach Latin, you have a lot of parents that want to come up to you and tell you the one Latin fact that they know or the one interesting thing that they think they can stump you with. And for the longest time, there was a rumor going around on the internet uh, about how OK was actually from these two Greek letters that meant all as well, that looked like O and a K. But that was completely wrong. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, that is one of the attributed derivations for the, the word okay. I love it. But Philly, <laughs> speaking of just okay, talk to us about those halftime stats. Shots. 12 to 7. RSL. Shots on target. 4 to 3. RSL. Possession fairly even, 51-49. But yet again, RSL. Passes. 225 to R211. RSL. Passing accuracy, a slightly better 76 over 74. RSL. The only thing that we were dead even on him with was fouls at four. RSL hasn't really had that many attempts against us throughout the course of our history. And that what would help them win is if they can convert a couple of those attempts that they had. Well, they sure took a lot more shots on us and they sure had one more shot on target, but we, we, we let them set a record. Once the game concludes, I'll read that stat, but we let RSL have more shots on goal, which, again, goes to show you how fantastic our back line has been. And there's another stat that I'm going to repeat, which is going to blow all of your minds at the very end. But luckily, we're not down 3 nothing or 2 nothing. We're only down one nothing. It absolutely could have been worse. Yeah, Philly, to, to kind of finish the point that I was talking about earlier, the just okay about how I felt about the starting lineup and the just okay about how I felt maybe we bought ourselves a little bit of time, these 45 minutes, you know, let's look at the subs that we bring in in the second half. And you're absolutely right, Philly. We have starters coming in now in the second half, maybe buying our guys 45 minutes. We're only down a goal. We are still one of the more dynamic offenses in Major League Soccer, although that was not present at all today. We'll talk about that at the end of the recap as well. But I thought, look, bringing in Tristan Blackman for Andy Nahar, bringing in Latif Blessing for Bryce Duke, bringing in Eddie Segura for Mohamed Traore. Now, all of a sudden, I mean, come on. We talked about how Carson finished the game by bringing in Jono Dos Santos. Now we're finishing the second half by bringing in three starter quality players, Latif Blessing, Eddie Segura, both who could be all-stars at any point, Tristan Blackman coming into his own. Uh, he's still not a right back or, an, or a wing back. I'm really frustrated that that's how we're using him right now, but whatever. I thought, Philly, it is going to get much better in the second half. We bought ourselves 45 minutes, and then Philly, the 46th minute rolled around. Yeah. Miram. We talked about him in the first half. The Iraqi international from Michigan. Off of a set piece. More set piece disaster BS awful he scores a goal terrible clearances 
So many things went wrong on this play. But what was really, really interesting was the fact that he calmly kept the ball and beat Cisniega. He scores his second goal of the season. Miram was an offensive threat throughout the duration of this game. And once again, we find ourselves in that, at this point, familiar position of being down by more than one goal off yeah. of the same situation that has plagued us all freaking year long, uh. set piece defense. The only thing I could say about that is at least it wasn't Demir Krylock who scored. Oh, yeah, Philly. This is the moment that I was alluding to when we were talking about the third minute where that ball pinballing around in the box and LAFC couldn't find a touch on it and the ball was cleared away and it's still 0-0. Same exact kind of a play. An absolute mess inside the box. And it, it looked, and I hate to say this, I hate to say this, but it looked like Jordan Harvey got caught behind just a little bit, keeping everyone onside. And Justin Miram finding the ball. Look, there was nothing special about the shot, right? It was a little flick with his foot. And it just found some space. Those are the kind of balls that, unfortunately, are not going LAFC's way. But even more, unfortunately, when the opposition gets one of those, they're putting it in the back of the net. Uh, kind of a backbreaker to start the second half. I thought, you know what? We've got the right lineup out there now. We've got some people in places where I really like. Ugh. And then, you know, we mentioned it, Philly. I, I love to hate Demir Krylock. And he picks up a yellow in the 47th for, was it stalling, I guess you might want to say? Stalling, he, yep. He kicked delay the ball of out game. of bounds, delay of game. I I'm going to mention, though, something, Philly. And I can't wait to hear from all of the fans out there and some of the supporters to hear what they have to say about my statement that I'm about to make. And to be clear, this is the scarf speaking here. So please, at LAFC underscore the scarf, please bring it if you need to. Hit us up at Defenders of the Bank. I would love to hear what you have to say about what I am about to say. Our player of the match, without any doubt in my mind, was Brian Rodriguez. And here is why it starts in the second half in the 49th minute. And I don't know how many times I wrote this, but I think it was at least three or four in the second half. And he had one in the first half, a perfect corner, a perfect set piece. We know how they've been such disasters for us, Philly, on defending set pieces, but if not for perfect defending by Real Salt Lake several times, Corner kicks by Brian Rodriguez were our most lethal offensive weapon of the match. It started in the 49th minute when Danny Musovsky got his head on it perfectly, yep. just couldn't find an angle, right? Headed it right to, and even tried to go five hole on the keeper Putna, but it went right to him, right? Musovsky just couldn't get an angle on it. But it's because of the corner by Brian Rodriguez and I'm going to mention this a couple more times, Philly, as we move through the second half. That was our best offensive weapon because of the consistency of Raito on corner kicks. Ooh, I really thought Sifu was the one that you would say had the, uh, the, the most impressive output on, uh, on the pitch today. Now, 51st minute, Diego Rossi, totally open. Totally open on a play. Hit, kicks the ball straight to Putna. It's kind of interesting. Diego Rossi is a pretty fast kid. He slowed down. I don't know if he thought he would have been offside if he didn't see any flag, but you know, it's interesting that he did slow down and, and, and take a 
a shot that really had no mustard on it. It's like he was waiting for the ref to blow the whistle and for nothing to happen. So that was another opportunity where we could have been a threat. And then six minutes later, you talked about Raito being the guy who really would set things up. Sifu, my friend, Sifu had that dynamite pass to Diego Rossi. It was such a pretty ball from past, like from way back in like our in our end. You know, he made it and connected with Diego Rossi, but Diego Rossi slowed down and then he just had the ball taken away from him. Those are a couple opportunities where I feel like we really were were, were threatening. And then seconds later, Masovsky missed to the left. You figured with these new players out on the lineup right now, the, uh, the, the starters, you know, we actually put together a string of a couple really good attacking sequences, thinking, all right, well, they haven't converted their opportunities. Maybe we have an opportunity to start doing some damage ourselves. But, but, but that wasn't to be the, the case. But I will credit you on this. Raito did have a really nice corner that, that found the head of Jose Cifuentes. But like that Danny Musovsky header from a couple of minutes ago that found its way straight to Putna, same thing happened to Cifuentes. But, you know, we, we were a span of what, maybe 10 minutes? We really were attacking, and we really had and created some opportunities that we really didn't have in the first half. No, Philly, you're absolutely right. Let, let me get you thinking about something that might help you sleep a little better when you go to bed tonight. More than all this, all this booze I've been consuming? Well, that'll just help you pass out. We know about Edward Atuesta and his passing and what that means to our offense. Look at what we're getting out of Jose Cifuentes right now. The passing that we get from Sifu is Atuesta-like. It's Atuesta-adjacent. And he provides us a little bit more toughness, I think, out there as well. That, that's not really Edward Atuesta's game. We don't need him to be the big, bad, tough guy in the middle. We can get that with Sifu now. Can yeah, you I love that. Once we sort out our midfield, Philly, and we got Sifu and Atuesta out there together, oh, my goodness, I am loving the fact that we have yet another all-star caliber midfielder on our roster. Jose Cifuentes, you're absolutely right about that pass to Diego Rossi. The corner again, though, from Brian Rodriguez, right to Sifu. I'm telling you, those corners were so, so important. I get it. Look, Sifu played a great game. I actually, Philly, I thought Latif Blessing's play in the second half, when he came in in the 45th, he drew a couple of yellows, but there's a play, a smooth segue. This was actually a smooth segue by Defenders of the Bank here in the 59th minute, right no after that way. corner. Netamanawoha is somehow fouled by Latif Blessing, even though Netamonawoa is twice Latif's size, and he's trying to box him out somehow. Latif gets called for the foul. I love that Latif kind of threw up his arms at the referee and went, are you serious? Have you seen Netamonawoa? The guy is an absolute redwood with feet. But <laughs> you know, that, that being said, I really like 62nd minute. Latif earned a yellow card. It's 70th minute, I know we're, we're kind of skipping a little bit, but... 70th minute, Latif earns another yellow card. And these are just those things that I really love that Latif Blessing does. They don't really show up in the box score. But I'm going I'm to back up just a minute there. And, Philly, I know we talked about it. 63rd minute, a quality strike by Brian Rodriguez. By the way, after another great pass by Sifu. So you're right. Yeah, Sifu. Sifu passing the ball like an all-star. <laughs> there you go. Brian Rodriguez with a great look there. A beautiful save. I mean, putting a... That's, that's a world-class save. That was a pretty good save by Putna. 64th minute, another great corner by Brian Rodriguez. I can't wait. All the ats are going to come raining down on me. I think he had the best game of anybody else out there for LAFC today, Brian Rodriguez. Jose Cifuentes. 
I'm with you. I, you can totally argue Sifu as well. 68th minute though, Philly, I have a note here about how organized Real Salt Lake's back line was and how it frustrated Bradley Wright Phillips on that last run. And again, to bring us back into the 70th minute, I talked about it. Another yellow card that Latif is able to draw on Real Salt Lake. It's those little plays I just love so much about Latif Blessing. He, he's just such a little guy. And of course he's going to attract all those fouls because people just muscle and try to beat the crap out of him constantly. Uh, I mean, he, he is a difference maker. They do call him the game changer f- for a reason. There wasn't too much game changing for LAFC. The, the only other thing that happened, 73rd minute, we had a shot on Cisniega. Cisniega was there to make, make a block. The one sub, and, and I was kind of bummed out about this. I like the kid. We've seen him play. We know he can do some things. He's definitely had some success in his time. And I know, uh, Scarf, you asked me where I went to college. Where, where, where did you go to college? Because I, <laughs> I seem to keep forgetting. That would be the Loyola Marymount University, my friend. All right. Loyola Marymount's. Favorite son, Adrian Perez, comes in, and I was a little shocked that they brought out Jose Cifuentes. I thought he was really moving the ball well. I thought he had a couple of really good attempts on goal. I really thought he was going to be one of the offensive threats that we would stay and that would maintain on the pitch. A couple minutes later, here's where things start to, you know, get ugly. Off of another set piece, Justin Glad makes an attempt, and unfortunately, Jordan Harvey got his hand on it. It was a weird position to be in. And on the YouTube broadcast, Max Bredos, our, our, our buddy Max over there, he brought up the fact that it looked like Corey Baird was offside in that He was position totally offside. He was but totally no one seemed offside. to care. And the one player who's, had, who's a really solid player for Real Salt Lake, who hasn't had the ability, who hadn't been able to convert any opportunities, Albert Rusnak, he gets placed in the, uh, in, in the box 11 meters away from Pablo Cisniega, and he buries it on the left side, a third goal. And just like that, LAFC down three to nothing. Ugh. Yet again, another goal by the other club. Yet again, something that went disastrous off a set-piece defense. And, you know, the rest of the match, we're watching it just to catch a glimpse of something good, something, yeah, anything. To quote my buddy Oz, it didn't feel real. Didn't feel real at all. I kind of stopped taking notes at this moment, Scott. <laughs> but the one thing that I thought was kind of funny was old man Beckerman subs in the game. And just like the salty old dog that he is, boom, yellow card instantaneously. Right. Like that dude steps on a pitch and, and he's got a card ready to, to be slapped in his direction. That's about the only thing I got for the rest of the game because I Bob Euchered it, man, just like Major League. I'm like, ah, who cares? I'm done with all this. <laughs> all right, let me, let me bring our, our LAFC fans back to some Laker memories that they might have. We know we have a lot of Laker fans out there. Everybody remember Andrew Bynum? I remember Andrew Bynum. He was supposed to be great. Well, it seemed like whenever Andrew Bynum subbed in to the game, he picked up a foul subbing in. Like they would bring him in. Oh, whistle, Andrew Bynum with a foul. That's how I felt. Kyle Beckerman, look, he is a salty, salty dog, played in more matches than any other player in Major League Soccer history. The guy is just an old, old dude. And he's just a guy, by the way, that, look, I used to hate him because he had these awful-looking dreadlocks that it just made him kind of look like, like Sideshow Bob, almost like a caricature out there. But let me ask you something, Philly. Let's back up real quick. The penalty kick. What did you think of Pablo Cisniega pointing 
in one direction, kind of telling Albert Rusnak, this is where I think you're going to go, buddy. This is where I want you to go. Gave him a little bit more on that side and Rusnak burying it to the opposite side, like we knew that Rusnak would do. And Philly, the smack talk between the two happened right after. Albert Rusnak went over almost to try and retrieve the ball out of the net, but more to try to get a high five out of Pablo Cisniega. And the look on San Pablo's face, that like sheepish look, like, man, I was talking smack, and he buried it right in the back of the net. I liked the little bit of smack talk there by Pablo. It would have been even better if he was able to save it, unfortunately. Sure. But you're absolutely right, Philly. It should not have been a PK. He was so far off. I don't know why this didn't go to VAR. I know we were already down 2 nothing, but come on. Anything could have happened. Just pretty frustrating. Uh, I thought in the 88th minute, you had mentioned you stopped taking notes. Well, I wasn't drinking. I was, I was busy doing other things. In the 88th minute, a good ball in for Adrian Perez, but just wide. 90th minute, a ball poked away from behind by Bradley Wright Phillips, who for the first time was able to time his run well. And unfortunately, Philly, that's it. That's full time. And we lose 3 nothing. the fifth of the six games on the phase three, or excuse me, phase one of the restart, which is actually phase three of the regular season after this start and then the COVID cup. And now this Philly, that last match against Portland can't come soon enough. Yeah. Today Murphy's law was in full effect. And for those of you who don't know what Murphy's law is, it's a saying all that can go wrong will go wrong. And it certainly was the case today. I've said before on previous podcasts that there is no losing only learning. If that's the case, Scarf, this season we're working on our doctorates. It's just insane this, how, how this season has, has gone. But, again, got to taper those expectations. What, what, what can we do? Like this lineup that started the match, I mean, did you really think we'd have a dominating performance? The thing that sucks is Real Salt Lake jumped to fourth place with this win. We continue to maintain our position in the cellar of the West. But oddly enough, and I will have one glass half full statement. Yep. Despite the crappy run that we have had, Scarf, we're only five points away from first place. We're only five points away from Minnesota. I could also look at it the reverse way, uh, but I, I choose not to. Even though we have lost four out of the last five games, we are still only five points away from first place. We're running a negative goal differential, Scarf. And here's the stat that's going to blow all of your minds, all right? If you ever listen to the MLS Extra Time podcast or keep up with MLS news, then you've probably heard of Matt Doyle, the armchair analyst. I wanted to give a shout-out to our friend Tito for bringing this to our attention. Matt Doyle's tweet said this, and I quote, through 10 regular season games, LAFC have conceded 22 goals. That is 2.2 goals per game. Yeah. which is the exact rate that FC Cincinnati, which in case you forgot, it was the exact rate that they had when they set the worst record for defense in league history. Boom. Mind blown. Breaking hearts and setting records and setting trends. Still, Scarf, except the hearts that are breaking are ours, the supporters. <laughs> oy, oy, my man. Oy, oy. Philly, you mentioned, I believe you mentioned it, I know it's in your notes, that we're only five points out of first, which is pretty incredible to think about. We are currently sitting eighth in the table, three wins, three draws, 
four losses. We have scored 21 goals, which, by the way, that includes not scoring any goals in three of our last four matches. The 21 goals still, still tied for the lead in Major League Soccer right now. We won't talk about the 22 that we've given up that's last in Major League Soccer. We won't talk about the fact that for the first time in a very, 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 very long time, we have a negative goal differential. But we are only five points out of first place. Minnesota United and Sporting Kansas City both sitting on 17 points. Seattle sitting on 15 points. And then there's a logjam of four teams above us, including, unfortunately, Carson and Real Salt Lake, but also including our next game's foe, the Portland Timbers, all at 14 points. Also included in that, by the way, Christian Ramirez and the Dynamo. But, you know, I've got some optimism, Philly. I've got some optimism because, unfortunately, Portland will be coming into the match losing their best player, Sebastian Blanco, and we know how much he meant to them because what he did to us in the COVID Cup, he tore a ligament in his knee and is out for the season. They're ahead of us. We know that eventually the Houston Dynamo will start playing like the Houston Dynamo again, we hope, and kind of come back down to earth. It's a bit of a surprise, the run that we've seen from Sporting Kansas City. And Minnesota United, by the way, without their best player for the rest of the season, Tyler Miller, an undefeated (laughs) goalkeeper for Minnesota this season while he was there. Yes, he lost in the semifinals of the COVID Cup, but that doesn't count towards the regular season. All of his other matches, by the way, Four wins, no losses, three draws. Just saying, we're not too far away from them in the table as well. Now, we're also three points away from the bottom of the table. Yeah, that's the one I was trying to avoid talking about, (laughs) And the four teams below us, look, the four teams below us are FC Dallas, Colorado Rapids, Vancouver Whitecaps, and the San Jose Earthquakes. Four terrible, terrible teams. Teams that have been doormats recently in Major League Soccer. So, yes, glass half full. We are only five points from the top. And the the glasses that Philly has been drinking so far tonight while he's been recording and watching this are a little bit more empty in that we are also only three points away from the bottom. Philly, I'll tell you, I think we saved enough to have a little bit left in the tank for our final match. Of this, I don't know, six-game stretch, Portland Timbers at Bank of California Stadium in just four days. Just because this is how we close out all of our recaps, Philly, why don't you give us the final stats so we can put this match to bed? Shots. 19-18. RSL. Oh, I thought you were going to – I thought that was how many you took over the course of while you were watching the game. Well, then I'd be slurring at this point. I don't have that phenomenal of the ability to process alcohol. Remember, I'm old. Yeah, (laughs) shots 19 to 18 RSL. On target, deadlocked at eight apiece. Possession, we started claiming the ball a little more. We we maintained that 57% to their 43. Uh, Passes, we actually, we we more than doubled what we had in the first half. And our accuracy came up a little bit, obviously, because we had, different players on the pitch but you know that that's the that's the tale of the stats scarf it's we let rsl have 19 shots we let rsl have eight of them on target we let rsl score on on three of those it's just not cutting it man and no, I'm, if, I'm with you i'm and with if matt you. doyle's you know numbers are, are what they are if we maintain that run 
yeah, I mean, we set a lot of we set a lot of records last season, but you know, this could go down as one of the worst defensive teams in in, in league history if they this two point two goals per game average that we've been conceding. No, you're right, but you know what? I, I I'm not gonna say I was right too loudly, but I was right and Bob was right in what we did in the second half. Look how substantially our numbers improved, right? Look sure. how substantially things improved. So we get Tristan out there. We get Latif out there. We get Eddie Segura out there. I like what I saw in the second half quite a bit. That being said, the two goals we gave up. Okay, let's talk about goal number one. The awful set piece defending. As Maurice Adu called it, the recycled set piece, where nobody was marked. I mean, oh my goodness. Right? We had the, the, the mess in the box where Justin Miram finds a way for the second goal, right? So we look at the two goals that we've given up so far. One is off of terrible set-piece defending. The other is off of a pinball play in the box. And our third- Still off a set-piece, though. That's what no, started it all. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, and our third goal off of a handball, bad placing by Jordan Harvey, sure, but that should have never come to that. We could have very easily lost this game one nothing. And look, we could have also very easily lost, lost this game 5-1 or 5-2, okay? Yeah. I think Bob had the quote of the night when it reminds me a lot of what Phil Jackson used to do for the Bulls and for the Lakers when he wouldn't call those timeouts, when he wouldn't call those timeouts in the middle of an 8 nothing run by the other team, a 12-run run by the other team. There's only one thing we can do, Bob said, and that's to play ourselves out of it. And look. I'll just mention one other thing, not making excuses for LAFC, but pointing out the fact that we are playing without the best player in the league, Carlos Vela, and without our most important player, midfielder Edward Atuesta. And what I've seen now over the course of these last seven or eight games, we have something in Jose Cifuentes. We did not know that at the beginning of the season. We have something. We know that Eddie Segura is as quality of a player as it comes on the back line. So he'll be something for us that'll be great. I really like Latif Blessing at right back right now. I know that's kind of odd to say, but I think Latif is settling in at right back. I thought Tristan Blackman at center back looked pretty good in that combination with Latif. I like Cheeky Palacios, who, by the way, was in the 18 but didn't see the pitch today. So we rested Cheeky because we've been asking an awful lot about him. I think between Latif, Tristan, Eddie, and Cheeky on the back line. If we can then get Andy Nahar, Mohamed El Munir some minutes, I don't know who else is going to play center back for us right now. It's been a hot mess, but we'll see what happens there. With Schmitty McMittens, there you go. With Pablo getting some more run in goal, leave him in there. None of these goals were Pablo's fault tonight. Pablo looked fine. He made some big saves for us, kept us in it. So I thought Pablo was fine. I don't think there's anything we need to do with Pablo. No, keep him between the pipes. We'll just going Absolutely. forward, leave Pablo where he is. Absolutely. With Sifu and Edward Atuesta, and then our embarrassment of riches, Pancho Janela, Bryce Duke, Mark Anthony Kay. We've got all kinds of great players in the midfield that we can interchange, but keep Edward Atuesta and Jose Cifuentes out there. We know what we get from Diego Rossi. We get Carlos Vela back. And with Brian Rodriguez, the way he's been passing and the impact that he makes on set pieces, with Bradley Wright Phillips, Adrian Perez, Danny Masasi coming off the bench, Let's pump the brakes on hitting the panic button just yet. Five points away from first, 
getting Edward Atuesta and Carlos Vela back at some point, and then figuring out these permutations. Once we get our starting 11 out there and we're ready to go, I love LAFC moving forward. I do not love LAFC these last five or six matches. Yeah, it's definitely our darkest hour at this point. And, you know, there are plenty of people taking a social media to, just, to voice their disgust and displeasure. And that's fine. We exercise our anger and our demons right here when we record this pod. I'm going to stay off social media for a little while because I'm not trying to invite more negativity into my life. The performance on the pitch is the only negativity I really want to deal with. But I will say this, and this goes to all the people who are saying Bob out and voicing all those who want players off the team. Be careful what you wish for. A lot of you wanted Walker off the team after he came back from the U.S. men's national team call-up. And now you're crying that he's gone. Same people, same people. You wanted him gone. You didn't want him to play. And now, and, and now look at you. Same thing, complaining about Stephen Betashore. He's gone, and, and people are, are saying, oh, we need to bring him back. You know, we lose Bob. We go through another rebuilding year or years, okay? This is not going to be a fix. You get rid of Bob, you're not gonna, it's not going to be an immediate fix. It's going to take time to find somebody. And honestly, who else is available out there that, that's going to really correct this shit? You think we're going to get more like Pochettino or Arsene Wenger? Get lost. There's no way we're going to get people like that. So if you want Bob out, hopefully when you post about it, you could have a viable solution as to who the heck is going to be a good enough guy, a good enough candidate to right the ship. Bob's only the second winningest coach in this league, the best one, Bruce Arena. And I don't think you're going to poach him for the New England Rev anytime soon. I don't think it's time to blow up the ship yet. I really, really don't. And you said it. We're playing right now, again, with, with, without some of our best players. We're going into a prize fight without – our ability to throw a jab and with, without our right leg. I'm sorry, in this case, our left leg, if you really want to bring, if you really want to be literal. <laughs> I now, see what you did I, Yeah, th- thank you. Again, I don't agree that we blow, blow the ship up yet. It's going to take a lot longer to, to fix all of this. And, and what are you going to do? We, we're going to have to sell players if you're going to want to bring in better players. And also, you're entitled to your opinion. I'm not going to tell you what to think. And I'm sure people are going to add us. I mean, I know people get honest about you know, praising Brian Rodriguez and all this other stuff. But oh, they're going to love me after this one. Oh, yeah, they're going to love me. Yeah, no doubt. Be careful what you wish for, because once we don't have Bob, once they sell Rossi and Atuesta, we're not going to win. It's going to be a while before we get back to our winning ways, and we may never, ever see the type of performance that we had on our second season. You know, be appreciative of what you saw in season two. Yeah, it sucks that we didn't win the, the cup, but it was an amazing season, a record-breaking season, all right? We, we can't have a positive season. We can't, we can't, we're not, we're not even, we don't even have half of what we had the last season. I mean, we, we just, we just don't. We don't have Vela, we don't have Atuesta. You know, Dio, Dio bounced. I mean, we're just, we're not the same team. So you can't expect the same results. And if you want to blow up the ship and you want to write about it, fine. But if you want to be taken seriously, have a decent solution. You know, I've seen people talk about, oh, well, you know, they're going to be fine if we fire Bob, bring in Arsene Wenger, and have Sergio Ramos from the back line. (laughs) That's fantastic. I'm going to win a lottery ticket and ride my unicorn to the bank next match. I mean, it's just unbelievable some of the crap you see on there. It blows my mind. But, yeah, if you want to avoid an ulcer and avoid negativity, stay the frick off of social media because, oh, God, sometimes it can really make your blood boil. All right, so I've got a solution, but he turned 79 at the end of the year. How about Sir Alex Ferguson? What do you think of that? Just thought I would I put that out there. 
with 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 what he's going to have to clean up. I don't think Sir Alex Ferguson <laughs> to eighty. Yeah, he's he's. It's not a rebuilding project for Sir Alex Ferguson for sure. Look, the bottom line is this: we support our club through this tough stretch and through mm-hmm. when we are winning the Supporters' Shield. It doesn't matter. In the final match of the first phase of the third part of the 2020 MLS regular season, LAFC will then take on the Portland Timbers at Bank of California Stadium this Sunday, 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 September 13th at 8 p.m. And like this match, you can watch it on either YouTube TV or Estrella TV, as well as on the radio on ESPN LA 710, and KFWB 980 La Mera Mera Philly. That's all I've got for episode 116. I know you just added your piece and hopefully everybody stuck around to the end because look, we really do believe in what we say. We are here with this club through the good times and the bad, through the black and the gold. It does not matter. We are here as supporters of the club more than just fans. And again, I can't wait to hear and see the ats on social media after I gave Brian Rodriguez some praise. Oh my God. I really do think his set pieces are what set us apart. But Philly, that's about it for episode 116, my friend. It's been fun. Why don't we do this again in just four days? Talking about the Portland match with no Sebastian Blanco. And you guys know how we like to end all of our episodes. Bye-bye.